Hello, and welcome to the Sharpened Iron Podcast. I am so happy to have you here. I started the Sharpened Iron blog in 2016 to build an online community that discussed the most important issues in life, religion, politics, and culture. In broadcasting my blog now, I hope to engage with friends old and new in pursuit of truth. If you like this episode or have any feedback, please leave a review on your favorite podcast player, leave a comment on sharpenediron.org, or email me directly at contact at sharpenediron.org. Let's jump right in. Today, I will start a three-part series on one of the most important Protestant doctrines called Sola Scriptura. This Latin phrase separates Protestants from Catholics on the issue of theological authority, and I believe it is the primary reason so many people in the millennial generation and younger have walked away from Protestant evangelicalism in recent years. In the next few weeks, I will demonstrate that the founding Protestant dogma of sola scriptura and the right to private judgment about scripture inevitably breaks down and leads many to radical skepticism and atheism. From the day I was born until the day I decided to cross the Tiber River to Rome, my Protestant churches taught me to love the scriptures. From an early age, I learned that the Bible, the 66-book Protestant Bible, is the infallible, inerrant, spoken word of God given to the church over two-plus millennia through numerous holy men. I learned that the Bible was the highest authority in Christian life, and through reading the Bible, a Christian can receive all that he needs to reach God. Evangelical Protestants emphasize the personal study of Scripture to the point that many fervent evangelicals will go through a period of questioning their own salvation if they do not feel they are studying the scriptures enough. We focused so much on personal scripture study because, as Protestants, we thought scripture was the only infallible way to hear from God. Because humans are broken and prone to mistakes, we believed that scripture alone, sola scriptura, would provide a clear path to holiness and to heaven. Personal Bible study and prayer has led many Protestants to a deep love of God and love for their neighbors. And I continue to see many wonderful fruits from a life of Scripture study in many Protestant friends and family. Sola Scriptura remains a rallying cry of Protestants everywhere. This, one of the five solas of the 16th century Protestant Reformation, means, as Protestant theologians Ralph McKenzie and Norman Geisler write, quote, The Bible... Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else is all that is necessary for faith and practice. This foundational Protestant dogma formed my faith for 25 plus years of my life, and it shaped the way I thought, prayed, and led my entire life. In order to sustain a doctrine of sola scriptura, Protestants also tend to affirm what is called the perspicacity or clarity, of Scripture. Most evangelical Protestants operate today as I once did, 
under the impression that all a person needs to properly understand true Christianity is a Bible and a brain. While I do not think the Reformers like Luther or Calvin would have recognized most of modern American evangelicalism as consistent with the principles of their revolt against the Catholic Church, modern, quote, Bible and me, unquote, evangelical Christianity is logically consistent with the doctrine of sola scriptura. If there is no Christian authority other than the written words of Scripture, the only thing that matters for my personal salvation is to obey the written words of Scripture. Sometime in my 20s, I began to loosen my grip on the doctrine of sola scriptura because I realized I could never sufficiently interpret all of the Scriptures all by myself. I suppose I implicitly started to reject the perspicacity of Scripture because I knew of many brilliant and holy men who studied, prayed, and devoted their lives to the right interpretation of Scripture more than I ever could hope to do, and their opinions directly contradicted each other. Two of my favorite Protestant theologians, John Piper and N.T. Wright, had a public spat over the doctrine of justification, another central issue in the Reformation. I loved Piper's Calvinist theology and preaching, and I found much benefit from immersing myself in his teachings as a late teenager. N.T. Wright is an Anglican bishop and brilliant New Testament scholar. Late in college, I encountered his writings on the centrality of the resurrection of the body to the preaching of the first apostles, and I gained fresh encouragement to persevere in my Christian faith. How could I decide between these two when it came to their dispute? Both men demonstrated great preaching ability, possessed brilliant scholarly minds, and knew the ancient Hebrew and Greek of the scriptures. I realized no single teacher would suffice to teach me all of Christianity, and that I would have to decide which teacher seemed most correct on each individual question. I knew two contradictory opinions could not both be right, but I could never believe any teacher possessed infallibility to interpret the whole of Scripture either. I had to resign myself to this method of Scripture study in hope that God would be merciful to those who truly try their best to understand His Word. I, like all Protestants, had to wrestle with each doctrinal issue individually and try to discover for myself which holy man or woman was right about which topics. As Martin Luther said, Unless I am convinced by the testimony of the Scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or in councils alone, since it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves, I am bound by the Scriptures I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the Word of God. I cannot and I will not retract anything, since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. I, like Luther, felt bound by my conscience to interpret the scriptures the best I could and stand by my personal interpretations, informed by the best teachers I could find. Whereas I have been a layman my entire life, nowhere near scholarly, Luther was a Catholic monk immersed in the church fathers and the tradition of the church prior to his sparking the Reformation across the Christian world. He had training in the ancient biblical languages and he had an unquestionably brilliant mind. He felt he had discovered a better interpretation of Scripture 
than the 1,500 years of popes and councils before him. 500 years after him, I found myself completely unable to determine which version of the Protestant gospel was most correct, Luther's or someone else's. I always wanted to know the truth, but the more I tried to ascertain the true doctrines of scriptures, the less certainty I had. Unable to read Hebrew, Greek, or Latin, I knew I could never sufficiently decide upon every doctrine all by myself. The Catholics and Orthodox writers I enjoyed reading in my early 20s pointed out what I had started to understand implicitly. All of us have authorities over us. These authorities can be formal or informal, chosen or unchosen, but the fact of human hierarchy remains. At the time, I, like most evangelicals, would have agreed with John Calvin's claim that church councils only have authority insofar as they accord with Scripture. That statement, though, begs a very important question. With whose interpretation of Scripture must all councils accord? In my younger years, I would have argued that the councils must accord with the true Holy Spirit-inspired interpretation of Scripture. But how was a person to know if the Spirit inspired one particular interpretation or another? The individual believer's own conscience would tell him. How to resolve conflicts between two holy, intelligent, respected theologians, then, was ultimately up to my conscience. For instance, I had to decide if it was possible to lose my salvation through serious sin, based on my best understanding of Scripture. I could choose interpreters of the difficult passages of scriptures to help me along the way, and I could pray for the Holy Spirit's guidance. I could believe in faith that what I held to be true in my heart after study, counsel, and prayer was Spirit-inspired, but I had no absolute way of knowing whether I had just been completely misled by my own insufficiencies or by those of my teachers. All of this difficulty may sound strange to a lifelong Protestant. What could I possibly mean by rejecting the formula, the Bible, nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else, is all that is necessary for faith and practice? Isn't Scripture God-breathed, inerrant, and infallible? Aren't all men fallible? How could we need more than Scriptures to know how to live? To put the matter simply, I no longer believe that the universal church from every tribe, tongue, and nation can be governed only by the bare words of Scripture. The Holy Scriptures, with the help of the Holy Spirit, provide all that is needed to come to a true knowledge of Christ, but it is not a comprehensive manual of Christian doctrine or teaching. Whether consciously or not, every individual believer in Christ uses human guides to interpret the scriptures, and to learn how to live. This, I believe, is necessary and unavoidable and makes sola scriptura an incorrect teaching. In the following weeks, I will show that the Protestant doctrine of sola scriptura is unbiblical, ahistorical, and unworkable. I thank Ken Hensley of the Coming Home Network for this terminology, which I will use to explain my own reasons for rejecting the Protestant doctrine on which I was raised to rely. For now, let me briefly preview the claims I will make. Number one, Sola Scriptura is unbiblical. Nowhere in Scripture 
is a particular set of writings put forth as the sole authority for right living. If one is to base his hope of eternal life upon a set of writings, he might like to see at least a suggestion from the authors of those writings to support that belief. There is not even a hint in Scripture that the sacred text alone is formally sufficient for each individual believer to live and to grasp the fullness of the Christian faith. Number two, Sola Scriptura is a historical. We have no evidence that the early church treated Scripture as the sole authority for faith and practice. Rather, we have plenty of evidence to the contrary. St. Irenaeus, around 180 A.D., whose teacher Polycarp was a disciple of the Apostle John, wrote, It is not necessary to seek the truth among others, which it is easy to obtain from the church. Since the apostles, like a rich man depositing his money in a bank, lodged in her hands most copiously all things pertaining to the truth, so that every man, whosoever will, can draw from her the water of life. The early church believed the truth could be found within the churches founded by the apostles, like a rich man's money can be found inside a bank, and they did not behave as though the only reliable source of truth was the written words of the apostles. Number three, Sola Scriptura is unworkable. The Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed both affirm the existence of one universal church, echoing Paul's letter to the Ephesians, quote, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. Unquote. Ephesians 4, 4 through 7. With tens of thousands of Protestant denominations and independent churches around the world, no set of logical reasons can explain how a Reformed Baptist who believes in unconditional election and rejects infant baptism as heresy can be part of the same Bible-based faith as a Presbyterian who baptizes babies, or a Pentecostal who is certain a person can lose his salvation through serious sin. The Bible cannot be both inerrant and teach contradictory things, especially if it is the sole infallible authority over the faith and practice of the universal church. Five hundred years of trying sola scriptura has led only to fragmentation of the Protestant world which hardly looks like the one faith of Scripture. Sola Scriptura led me to an individualistic relativism in the interpretation of Scripture that I found unsatisfactory. Why would God send His Son to teach us His ways and then just leave each individual believer on his own to figure out what Christ really taught? This doesn't seem to be God's way. Thanks be to God, we have the infallible, inerrant scriptures breathed out by God and written by fallible men. But he did not give us only written words. Our Lord gave us a church. He said he would build his church upon a rock, and he promised his apostles to send the Holy Spirit to guide them into all truth. This church is a pillar and buttress of the truth. The church 
given to us by Christ, is infallible in her teachings through the work of the Holy Spirit. Though she is led by fallible men, the church's teaching, founded on the oral and written teachings of the apostles, is unchanging in its essence and sufficient to lead all Christians to holiness. The meaning of Scripture is not always clear. Each individual believer is not competent to deduce for himself every truth of Scripture. And the fragmentation within the Protestant world testifies to the fact that more than the bare words of Scripture are needed to keep Christ's body united as one. Therefore God gave His people a church to preserve the fullness of the apostolic teaching, to pass the fullness of the Christian faith down through the generations, and to guide each believer into full communion with our Lord. This concludes this episode of the Sharpened Iron Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast player to receive an update whenever a new episode is released. To receive updates about Sharpened Iron, subscribe to the blog by email at www.sharpenediron.org or follow the Sharpened Iron page on Facebook. If you have any questions, recommendations for future discussion topics, or want to discuss anything further, please contact me at contact at sharpenediron.org. Thank you, and may God bless you as you seek the truth.